Hello, and welcome to Maybe It's Spiritual. This podcast is about people, their stories, their experiences, and the things they can't explain. We live in a world where supernatural occurrences happen to people more often than we talk about. And on this show, we're going to explore these paranormal encounters and become a place where people can share what they've gone through without the fear of being told they're crazy. You are not alone. My name is Rafael Gonzalez, and you are listening to Maybe It's Spiritual. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Maybe It's Spiritual. Hello, guys. Hello there. There we go. It's nice to, nice to be together again. Yeah, we're mm. back in 2022 after a very long hiatus of sickness and holidays, but we're all back. We have our special guest. You're not even you're not even a special guest anymore. Just I'm become... pretty special. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Marg, the artist. Yes. We mean you're basically part of the crew, though. Yeah, we were like, it wasn't like a you're not special. It was more like, (laughs) no, I know. It's like, Mm -hmm. hey, you can come in and just open the fridge now, kind of thing. Yeah. Yes. All right. We'll put a coat hook up for you. (laughs) Okay. Is that a thing? She's the only one. She's the (laughs) only one. No one one else has one. Why is there one coat hook that says Margaret? Yeah. Anyway, I've got a chair. That's where mine is. Yeah. I have a banister. This whole episode is about where we put our coats. Yeah. Where do you put your coats, Margaret? On the floor. Is nice. It yeah. <laughs> yes. It's nice. On a coffin. <laughs> We're off to a great start. I think this is a good end of the episode. Yeah. That's good. All right, guys. Well, guys. Uh, yeah, that was great. It's just 2022 recap. Yeah. All right. So tonight, tonight we're talking about cursed slash haunted objects, items, items, objects, things, things. Um. So yeah. So Mike, you're gonna kick it off with your. Yeah, I'm gonna talk tonight about um a spooky little guy named robert the doll um i like to call him bobby dollman <laughs> but that's just my thing uh so really so one of the main things with robert the doll is if you guys know the movie series chucky that is where chucky derived from was robert the doll um that's the actual origin story of chucky which is kind of crazy and really Really creepy, because I, I never wanted to watch Chucky um, as a younger kid, ever, because of how scary it was. So having to research this a bunch was horrifying, um, and I really didn't enjoy it. So I'm going to tell you about him. Um, so the guy, the kid, and it kind of goes, it's kind of a weird a weird uh, backstory. So there's the, the true origin of it all, then there's the first kid that ever owned him. And that's that's when it started. So I, I'm going to start with that. So his name was Robert Eugene Odo. Um, Robert the doll carried. He was a, a little little doll. Looks like a very normal, plain looking doll holding a, a small lion. Um, and 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 it was it was made. He was made in Key West, Key West, Florida. Um, Robert gave the doll his name. So Robert got him at a really really young age. 
and I'll I'll get back to where where he came from before that um, later on. But so Robert was given this doll, um, and I won't say it from a family friend, but probably a family foe. Um, so he was given this doll, and he was infatuated, like absolutely overtaken by this thing. Like loved it, carried it around everywhere. Um, he gave the doll his name, so the kid's name was Robert. But he gave the doll his name. So the doll's name was now Robert, and his middle name was Eugene, and he took Eugene as his first name for the rest of his life, which is already weird. So his name is Robert Eugene Odo. Um, and what he would carry around the, the doll around. He would have the doll at the dinner table. Um, his family thought it was really weird. He was an only child. Um, his parents thought it was really weird and creepy. But it was like his favorite thing in the world. Not going to take it away from him. So he would he would keep the doll in his room at night, obviously, and it would sit um, in like in his bedroom while he was sleeping. Uh, but then he would his parents would find like they would hear hear noises from from Eugene's bedroom at night, and uh, <laughs> kind of like the noises we're hearing right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they would hear these noises. <laughs> not like that, but. They're like, oh, our son, our son's up. He's, you know, he's probably he's like five or six years old at this point, and and they would go in his room. They're like, what, what was that noise? And he's like, oh, I was talking to Robert. Um, and they're like, okay, that's you know that that's not that weird. You know, that's not that weird for you know if you have like a daughter from the '90s that loved her Barbies or American Doll or something like that. Like that's not weird. Like that's their best friend, and that's that's okay. You know. Um, but then they would start hearing, they would, they would notice that all that Eugene would do was hang out with Robert and talk to him all day, every day. Like he was an actual person. And it got like a little bit weird at that point. Um, then he started, Eugene started having terrible nightmares every night, like screaming. He'd be screaming every night, all his nightmares. Um, and they would hear deep voices coming from Eugene's room, knowing that obviously that was not their son, Eugene. And they would go in and he would say it was Robert talking to him. And they're like, okay, like, <laughs> what? Um, then one night they heard their son screaming and went in the room and the furniture was everywhere. There's all of his dressers were moved around, like thrown on the ground. Um, and their son was still in bed, shaking, sitting there. And they were like, did you do this? And he's like, no, Robert did it. And then Robert was just sitting in the corner of the bedroom, like creepily. Um, so <laughs> basically they were like, they're like, after that, we would, we would see Robert moving around the house. Like if they're like up for water at night, they would see Robert just there and then vanish. So and like then, when they come around, he like powers off. And like, oh, geez. I just brought this chair. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> Fixed. Go. Fixed. We're good. <laughs> like that. But like yeah, no. Yeah. Elf they would, on the yeah, shelf. That's no, he would. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like elf on the shelf. Exactly. Oh, and they would just, they would swore that they saw him. All the time. Um, and and then at night, like, they would just hear these high-pitched scream noises. Like, they just, this, like blood-curling screams. And they're like, where's this coming from? So, basically, they're like, we are done with this doll. Sorry, Eugene. We are done with this thing. They threw him in the attic. And that was that. So, to give you a little bit more of the, the background story on where he came from... So the, the Odo family owned a plantation, and it was said that Eugene's mother was extremely cruel to the servants. She caught the servant doing black magic, and she fired them. One of the servants came back and gave Eugene the doll after using voodoo to possess it with evil. 
And they didn't know that, but like she came back, one of the one of the slaves came back and gave Eugene the doll, and he cherished that doll for whatever reason. Um, so another thing after that, so um, Gene's dad passed away, and he got the house in in his dad's will. Um, him and his wife, so he's an adult at this point. His name is Gene now, so he's still Eugene. Robert is still Robert, which is still freaking weird, <laughs> super weird. So did Robert steal the doll from him or steal his name? Did he say like, I'm Robert now? I, they, they never said that. I, they just like, he just really wanted. And I, I think that's, that's what I think every time I'm like, he definitely like made him give him his name or something. Right. And then the parents were like, yeah, you're Gene now. <laughs> they just agreed with it. You know, like that's so weird. Um, so anyway, so Gene and his wife move in into that house. They, they take their parents house. His dad passed away. Um, his mom passed away like shortly after that as well, um, and he found he found Robert in the attic, and then it all became a thing again. Then he got extremely, even more than when he was a kid, even more infatuated with him. And he's an adult, so like no one's telling him no, and he's just like he would just bring the doll with him, and he would paint with him, with with Robert right next to him. And it scared the crap out of his wife. She's like, I just feel this evil presence around this doll, and it's really scaring me that, like, that's all he wants to do is, like, hang out with this doll that he found from when he was a kid. Like, it it made such an impact on him as a child. And now that he's back with this thing, like, they're just homies. They're just hanging out, you know? (laughs) Like, (laughs) they're besties. Um, So, at night, he would place Robert in a chair in their bedroom while they slept. Uh, he would even, like I was saying, he would paint upstairs with Robert um, right next to him. And this created a lot of conflict between Gene and his wife. He started acting really strange and having crazy mood swings to the point where he'd get physical and be abusive to his wife. And have these crazy episodes where he'd be like very normal and kind of shy. And then he would go crazy and and start like hitting his wife. And he was like, and he would come out of it and not remember anything. And his wife's like crying and bruised. And she's like, why did you do that? He was like, it was Robert. And he would just blame it on Robert all the time. And that's and there, there's a family, there's a story about after that, there's a, another family that moves in and, and kind of the same stuff happens. Um, there's, there's a lot of culture around the fact that um, Robert causes crazy like, like car crashes that are near fatal, other injuries that are near fatal if you're ever around him. And that's what happened to that last one that moved in with their daughter. Um, she got extremely sick when she started like hanging out with Robert and all this stuff. Um, so now he's still in Key West. Uh, he's in a museum, the basement and the glass box. So people go and visit him to hear his story because his story is all over. And like, you can look this up on YouTube and watch like people like with their phones out, you know, and like going and like visiting Robert and, and it's, it, it's really creepy. It's like, honestly, really creepy. And there's like, there's no creepy music in the background to make it scarier or anything, but just the idea of it's like, it's just like, it's weird. It's very weird. Um, it's very dark. Uh, so, so basically, another thing too. The one of the biggest things is that he hates when people take photos of him. And if you take a photo of him without asking for his permission, you will probably be in a fatal car crash or near fatal car crash, or terrible things will happen to you. And this is this is said by a lot of people. This is talked about by many many people. Um, 
people would people would go in there and they would joke around and and not take it seriously. They'd be like, okay, like this doll figure, like people that maybe had never heard of him or maybe did, and they were like, okay, this is the most fake thing of all time. Like, why are people freaking out? And then that stuff would happen to them, and people died. And it's it's really freaking weird. So people will literally people that that maybe offended him by going to the museum and then seeing these things happen to their friends or family or whatever that had also been with them. Uh, would go back and leave offerings and apologize to him, but the biggest thing is you go there and you want to you want to talk to Robert and you want to be cordial with him and ask him, can I do these things? Can I can I hang out with you for a little bit? Can I take a picture with you? And then you're good. Does he answer? No, but people have also seen <clears throat> him shift in the box. So a lot of people are like he's sitting on a little wooden chair in this box holding his lion, and like. So many people have seen him just just shift around the box and then be right back in the chair. So I don't get it. How did how did it how did the Robert the doll transfer from Gene to the next pe- person? Did he leave it in the house? Yeah, he just left sold it in the house. It? He just left it in his house. Next people that moved into his house found it again. Um, but they like so I watched I watched a YouTube video and it was like it was like a real or fake video and it was like it was like exploded. It was huge. And this guy goes in and he talks to the guys at the museum and that they're like watching that area of like by Robert the doll and goes to the original house, which is now like also kind of a museum and everything. And, and he's talking to them and his job is to be skeptical, you know, cause it's real or fake. And he's like, you know, I hear all these stories and it sounds spooky. It sounds haunted, but, um, and he would talk to the people and be like, how real do you actually think this is? Like, like you're here all day. You're seeing the reactions of people. And he's like, and the guy at the museum is like, he's like, dude, and it's like a it's a live interview, and it, it does not seem. And I will say, like from watching interviews that seem like they're kind of set up, they're not set up at all. Like they're very like canny on the spot, and and he's like, he's like, it's just a really dark presence. He's like, it's just really dark. He's like, it feels dark in this area. He's like, I don't know, man. Like I couldn't tell you if it's real or fake. He's like, but all I know is it feels really like, demonic, and uncomfortable when you're in that room. And he's like. And a lot of people have freaked out, and a lot of and a lot of bad things have happened. And he's like, and it's crazy, like watching these people come in and ask for his permission for things, and like leaving these notes and and talking to him and for, and asking for forgiveness, and all this stuff. And he's like, and then the dude went to his original house, um, where where Eugene lived originally, and um, he was talking to the guy that runs that museum because that guy bought it from that next family after them, and he's like. He's like, okay, now you tell me, like, what is, what is, what is this all about? You know? And he's just like, he's like, dude, he's like, I can't tell you the amount of messed up shit that's happened in this house when I'm alone in here. He's like, he's like, all he's like cabinets and doors will just slam in my face and like hurt me, like physically hurt me. And he's like, these things have happened multiple times. He's like, and you'll feel the house like shift. And he's like, it's horrifying. Then they walked up into like the attic where they kept Robert, and there's all there's like this tiny bed and this tiny couch, and tiny like like TV stand and all these weird things that people had built with Robert. And he's like, he's like, did you make this stuff or like have someone build this for you? He's like, no. He's like, this is like this was here when I moved in. He's like, no joke. He's like, and the guy like that uh, was filming and asking the questions. He's like, he's like, I'm gonna throw up, and he threw up, like when he got in the when the attic, like he started throwing up, 
And he's like, I need to go back downstairs. I'm going to throw up. And he kept throwing up. Like, it was, it was nuts. Jeez. Goodness. It was just that kind of presence. But yeah, that's the story of Robert the Doll. Um, I mean, you can you can deep dive a little bit more, but there's not too much more on it uh, besides like people like saying their own experiences and, and things of that sort. So how did Gene and Robert like part? Like, because it seems like they're like like super close, I think best he, buddies. I think he, his, him and his his he, wife he, was like, "That's enough." Yeah, the doll. Yeah, no, he he went he went literally crazy. Oh, yeah. Well. So I don't know. They didn't really touch on that too much, like where he went, like if he went to like a mental institution or what. But he went absolutely crazy. And again, like, cause a lot of problems. Like, I mean, all the problems in their marriage, you know. He, like, overtakes people. You know, overtakes people's minds. And it's, it's wild. So how did it... Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, the one thing that really sticks out to me about it is with um, the, like, giving the doll his name. Like, names have such power. And any kind of, like, mythology or any kind of magical arts or anything, like, names are huge. And knowing the true name of something or bestowing a name upon something gives it power. So it, like, that could have just enhanced whatever the Otto family servant did to it. Right. As well. And that's why he was affected by it so much more than anybody else that had possession of it or anything. Makes sense. How did it turn into the Chucky movies? So they use that origin story where it's just a normal doll... That starts, like, scaring the crap out of you. So do they think that... Well, because, like, the Chucky... I hated Chucky as a kid. That was, like, my biggest fear ever. Just Same. Oh, I love those movies. They're so good. <laughs> well, maybe you could say, like, I, I'd never seen them because well, I never wanted Because it's, like, them. the soul of somebody... Like, yeah, a murderer so goes a into Chucky. Spoiler alert for a 40-year-old movie. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a... Uh, yeah, Child's Play, it's Chucky is the... Yeah, it's the soul of, like, a serial killer that gets stuck in the doll. Basically, and then the doll comes to life and starts protecting this kid that he befriends and starts killing everybody. So, I mean, that kid. sounds pretty close to like, the, so do you the th- evil voodoo that was put into... So, are they suggesting, su- ooh, suggesting that, like, because he gave, that kid gave Robert the name, like, his soul went into it? Or did someone else put a soul into it? Or is there a soul in it? I think he just wanted his name. They never they never talked about that, to be honest. I, I think that, I think... From what Matt was saying, like I, I completely agree with that. I think, I think that he like coerced him into giving him his name, and somehow his parents were like, "Yeah, you're Gene now." Even though they never like, it seemed like they he never had like power over them. They were scared shitless. That's weird. Around him, you know, like, but yeah, I mean, like if my kid was started doing that kind of stuff, like it would be terrifying. Yeah, like kids already but, do terrifying things. Yeah, but I mean, I can see them being like, "Oh, you know, he just like." He gave his doll his name, and he wants to be called this now. Like, normal growing up stuff. It's a little weird. A little farther than most kids normally go, but whatever. We'll support him and deal with it. And, and who knows how people stuck. acted 110 years ago when this... I mean, I do. When this was a thing. When Robert yeah, arrived, does 110 years ago. <laughs> That's when it started? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Did they ever try and, like, exercise the doll no. or anything? Okay. Mm-hmm. Just curious. They just threw it in the attic. <laughs> that's what you do with haunted objects. <laughs> but we're done came, with this doll. We're not going to throw it out of the house. We're going to put it. In our but house. also, it's Florida. It would have just came back. It's also Matt. Florida, and I feel like they're like, we will take anything we can get. Mm. They get people to come down here, and they just threw them. So they they threw them like in, in the basement of this museum at first. I watched like one one video on it, yeah. and and like some like really weird stuff was happening in the building, and all the workers would freak out, and all of them quit. 
And they were like, Robert was, it was like covered up, like in a jewel case in, in the basement of this museum. And then, like, somebody was like, we shall put him upstairs. <laughs> like, I mean, essentially, you know, it's like, Robert's let's like, put I'm him on display for all to see and all to be hurt by. He didn't want to be in the basement. <laughs> He's like, yeah. I was in the attic. Once. But it's an, it's an entire room in the museum. And That's the room crazy. is horrifying. Kind of sounds like Robert gets what he wants. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the whole video, it's just, it, like, glorifies him. This room glorifies Robert. It's like... No one messes with him. He is the king of this room. And it's a really large room that's dedicated to him in this like, museum. He's like, build me a chair. Build me a bed. Yeah. Build me a 65-inch plasma. Yeah, and they did. And they did. He had a really nice TV. <laughs> I love that Plasma? Xbox. Is this like the early 2000s? <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's going on here, man. Oh, <laughs> uh, Robert. But yes, um, that is the story of Bobby. Bobby the doll. Bobby doll. I feel like I need to apologize for saying that now. But I won't. <laughs> well, he's not. He's never going to listen to this. West, whatever. He's yeah. never, Robert's hey, never going to listen to this. For the record, Florida Maybe is an don't extremely show Robert this creepy state. Yes, it is, and that's why. Like I'm I've listened. That up. There's a, a podcast <laughs> I listen to, and they have a segment literally called "Creepy Florida." There's so much creepy yeah. stuff in Florida. Everybody's like, "Oh, it's all beaches and nice," but like, no one talks about that middle part. That's where all the weird crap happens. Yeah, the, middle <laughs> yeah. the middle part. Nah. It's weird. Anyway. All right. Anyone else? Comments, thoughts, Robert the Doll? Thanks, Mike. Yeah. Yeah, guys. That was fun. That was that was very real creepy. Scary story. Yeah. Thank you, Robert. Yeah. Guys. Anyway. Robert the Mike. <laughs> All right. Margaret. All right. You're up. All right. So um, before I like actually introduce um, the piece, I just kinda wanted to go into like how I decided to look at like what a haunted painting is and how that might happen and so i thought a good way to actually start looking at that is do you guys know who the artist um jackson pollock is mm-hmm. yes. yeah okay so he was you know known for um, splattering paint all over his canvas um kind of in a random way but if you were to talk to him he'd probably say it was like very meaningful he knew exactly where the paint was gonna go and all of his little decisions that went into that but um, you know, he's since gone now and restorers have come to look at his paintings and so they've taken the time to clean them um, or like reveal other colors that he used underneath. Um, and then also too, they've found like cigarette butts in his paint because he always smoked when he painted. And then also, they also found like a, like a bee, like a bee that had died in the paint. So the reason I bring all this up is because when you paint, I feel like, yes, you're putting paint onto the surface, but you're also bringing in not just paint, but like feelings, your thoughts, intention. And so all of that is found layered within the paint. So with that in mind, that's how I chose to approach this haunted painting. And it's called um, The Hands Resist Him by Bill Stoneham. And um, he's actually still alive, and he's actually still working. Um, and have you guys, I know you guys haven't seen the painting, so I'll show you now. Let's see. Well, I know Raph has, but. So, it's it's creepy. It's a little unsettling. Yeah, um, there's just something about it. Yes. Like, it's just a. All the creepy yeah, feelings, mm-hmm. yeah, darkness. It um it really draws you in. Like the first time I saw this painting was probably on YouTube, like several several years ago. But it was just kind of like you just really just want to know like 
what's going on here. And um, so the reason why this painting is popular is because there was um, an eBay listing for it back in the year um, 2000. And um, so really early internet times. And um, I'll actually just read the, um, the listing because it's kind of funny because I think they're trying to scare you a little bit with the listing, but okay. So the listing goes, when we received this painting, we thought it was really good art. A picker had found it abandoned behind an old brewery. At the time, we wondered a little why seemingly perfect, perfectly fine painting would be discarded like that. One morning, our four and a half year old daughter claimed that the children in the picture were fighting and coming into the room during the night. Now, I don't believe in UFOs or Elvis being alive, but my husband was alarmed. To my amusement, he set up a motion triggered camera for the nights. After three nights, there were pictures. The last two pictures shown are from that stakeout. And if you look at the listing, it's just, they obviously just put a light behind the painting so that the skin looked like it was glowing. It's, it's not scary. Um, yeah. Um, after seeing the boy seemingly exit the picture under, the, under threat, we decided the painting has to go. Please judge for yourself, but before you do, please read the following warning and disclaimer. Warning, do not bid on this painting if you are susceptible to stress-related disease, faint of heart, or are unfamiliar with supernatural events. By bidding on this painting, you agree to release the owners of all liability in relation to the sales or any events happening after the sale that might be contributed to this painting. The painting may or may not possess supernatural powers that could impact or change your life. However, by bidding, you agree to exclusively bid on the value of the artwork with disregard to the last two photos featured on this auction and hold the owners harmless in regard to them and their impact expressed or implied. So, and they also go on to say something like, if anybody knows like an exorcist, please get us in contact with them. So it's like, they were obviously playing up the creepiness of this painting, but the feelings that people have when they see it, like, I don't think you can discount those. Like, um, people online said when they saw it, they claimed to feel ill or that some kind of spirit had a hold over them. Someone said they felt like they heard a voice when they were looking at the painting. Um, so you can't totally discount the fact that it's haunted. I think I hear the painting now. <laughs> the painting. Yeah. The painting. That would be the dog. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Damn it, Tink. Um, so I'll just keep going, I guess. Um, just keep going. Yeah. Power, power through Tink. All right. So um, I actually found an interview where they actually interviewed the artist. Um, and he goes into detail about everything that went into the creation of this painting. And it's very interesting. And it kind of holds true to the fact that this painting is haunted. Maybe not necessarily by a spirit, but like very deep longing and like intention and then also maybe some like i don't know i want to say like esotericism like there's definitely some like magic i think kind of going on there so um so again i i did choose a painting so i hope people look it up so they can see what it looks like but um you can probably post a picture of it on the socials too. yeah yeah what's the name of it the hands resist him by bill stoneham nice so um, so the, one of his intentions with the painting is to draw people in. So that's always his intention. I think he's very successful with that. But the, um, title comes from a poem that his wife wrote and I'll just quick read that cause it's kind of creepy, but it's cool. 
He is of the seeing visions, his strokes reveal them, in a rush of color, of madness, of mystics, and his head is the highest center. It must confront its enemy. The hands resist him, like the secret of his birth. His presence is the sanctum heartbeat, felt in darkness and in passion. It sound the soul gift to that silence. So, um, the hands resist him are basically, if you look at the painting, there's hands in the window, and there's also a little girl next to him that looks more like a doll than an actual girl. So the hands are actually representative of other lives because Bill Stoneham was adopted. He didn't know who his real parents were, and so that was always like a big question for him, like, who, like, who am I? Um, what other lives would I have, would I have led if I had grown up with my parents? So that's that's what the hands mean. Like the hands resist him. He doesn't know his true self, his what he wants or what he longs for, resist him because he can't reach it because he'll he'll never know really who he was. Um. So, and then you'll find later on that so the doll girl to his right. Since this painting was based off a photo of him that was taken in Chicago, the girl that he painted was based off the neighbor girl, but he made it look more like a doll. So she has like a hinged jaw and like hinged joints. But he always kind of wondered if maybe he also had like a sibling out there too, um, which we'll hear more on that later. But um, so he goes into everything that was going on while he was um, working on this painting. So he painted it in 1972, um, which is during the, you know, Vietnam War, the draft. He was very against that. He, so, and then he was also living in Ojai, California at the time, which he describes as having, being like physically dark and spiritually dark and having like a lot of ghosts and spirits or like spiritual energy. So he kind of describes when he painted that painting, he's drawing in like this cultural um, disturbance, you know, like the draft, Vietnam War. He's drawing in the like, spiritual disturbance when he's draw painting this painting. And then also, too, he's this is where like the esotericism kind of comes in. He was reading two books at the time called uh, Manly Paul's The Secret Teachings of All Ages and then um, Sir Lowe's Dictionary of Symbols. So I feel like artists, you know, they try and put symbols in their art. So if he's like using symbols that have meaning, that have power, then he's definitely bringing like this already existing power into his painting. So he's like channeling, I guess. He kind of calls painting like conjuring, like he's bringing all of this together. So when you think about that, it's like this painting is like a mixture of his, his long, own longing and desire, the culture at the time, the... Um, the kind of mysticism that he was into. Um, so all of these little things kind of give this painting, I feel like this extra, like, I don't know, like flavor or like, or like power. Um, so anyway, he's an artist in California. He has a gallery show. Someone buys this painting. And the person who buys this painting is an actor. Um, his name is John Marley. And it's funny because he's actually, I've, I'm assuming you guys have seen The Godfather? I have not. Okay. Well, for those of you who have... I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not a mafia guy. No, it's Kicking okay. you out of the podcast. I'm sure you've heard of the oh, iconic scene where... Um, the horse head? Yeah, so that's the actor. He's that guy who bought the painting. Nice. Um, and then slowly um, after that, the gallery owner who 
had the show, he dies, John Marley dies, and then the person who reviewed the painting also died. I mean, I don't know if you can connect all of those because it's over a period of like 11 or 12 years, but it's interesting. Um, And then, um, uh, let's see. So then it goes missing for several years once John Marley dies. And it's found in a California brewery, which is defunct, and it's now a studio space. And um, that's where it gets found, and that's when it gets posted on eBay. And something interesting, too, is that there are actually sequels to this painting, which I highly recommend you look up on his website. It's called stonemstudios.com. Um, and the, one of the people who commissioned it do you guys know zach baggins from ghost adventures oh yeah of course he commissioned um a sequel to that painting of course he did. and uh bill stoneham <laughs> actually awesome. believes that that painting is like truly haunted because he there's like a tricycle in that painting and he claims he heard like tricycle noises when he was painting it so and then also when zach baggins got the painting he also heard like tricycle noises so it's just a little fun little aside. Oh, Baggins. Yeah. Like Baggins. So now the painting, it was sold on eBay for $1,000, like $25, and it now resides in Perception Gallery in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Just $1,000? Yeah. Yeah, it started at like 200 and now it's like it went for like 1025 but that was like back in the year 2000. Is Bill so like still alive? Yes. That's probably why. Yeah. So it'll probably, yeah go for more but and like the cool thing though is that you know he talks about you know manifesting conjuring longing and he actually found out later on like there was that little girl that he painted next to himself he actually found out that he did have a sister from the same parents who was also adopted so yeah i have so many questions okay can I ask one question since I was in the restroom for part of it? Only one. And I apologize for that. Just make it good. Why? So the hands resist him. That's kind of a creepy name for one. What, what, what was the symbolism of the hands behind the glass and all that? Oh, sure. Um, so it was his way of like, those hands represent like other lives or other possibilities. Because since he was adopted, he has so many questions about who he was and like who he could have been. And so that's what those hands represent. They're like, they're tangible, like they're reaching out, but he can never like truly touch them. So, all right, mm-hmm. here I go. I have so many questions. Let's go. So I've looked at this thing. Mm-hmm. So the doll. Yeah. She's holding something. Yes. It looks like a capacitor. He, I, he actually describes it because a lot of people thought it was a gun. Yeah. Um, he called it a dry cell battery. Capacitor. It's a capacitor. Yeah. Okay, I didn't know that. (laughs) Sorry, no. I worked in lighting. That's why I I was like, I looked at that thing and I was like, I see wires. I see a tube. It's a a capacitor. It's like, what does that mean? Because that's very out of place. Yeah. He never actually talked about what that meant. And that's actually a very good question. But yeah, I'm not totally sure for that one. Because I look at this painting and Mm. I see so much. Yeah. Like, I'm first drawn to the blue and the kid's shirt, mm-hmm. and then I directly go up to that thing that looks like a like a moon. Yeah. So that's where I think. Okay. So the whole thing about him reading those books, like, so the book that that was called Manly Paul's The Secret Teaching of All Ages. So it's like an encyclopedia of all kinds of esoteric and occult beliefs. So it's like the Kabbalah, alchemy, tarot ceremonial magic, neoplatonic philosophy. 
there's the list goes on but it's like i'm sure that means something more that i just don't know like if i got into the deep you know symbology i probably sure. could find out and if you look at the sequels to the painting too there's one the sequel that he painted for zach baggins it's from the other side of the door or window it's like Ugh. so it's from within and there's even more stuff that's like i don't know what that means like i could probably come up with something but i have a feeling this means this is a reference to something that i'm not familiar familiar with sure and the so. trike is in the in the sequels yes and there's two there's actually <clears throat> i wrote down i think there's four four yeah yeah i've seen this painting before yeah and i've definitely i mean i was an art major mm-hmm. so i look at this and i just see all these like things like obviously that girl is definitely looks like a like a doll she's yeah. got all the hinge she's just like, like this like lifeless mm-hmm. hollow sad eyes those hands yeah those hands i think kind of i mean the whole thing's creepy yeah but the hands to me that's like something reaching from the other side yeah yeah definitely something reaching from the other side yeah all right as an artist mm-hmm. you are an artist yes what does this mean to you like, what do you get from this when you just look at this thing? Because there's, there's, like, you could do a whole episode on just this painting. Right. I just feel like, I don't know exactly what I would have said before I started studying this painting, but I just feel like this really, it's just this deep sadness and this deep longing. And um, he, he's, like, he's looking out towards, like, the viewer, like, he wants some kind of like connection with you but he's like a little kid and he doesn't know how to describe what that connection is yeah so i guess it's kind of what i would say i guess it's just like this very deep longing and in a way it's very successful because he does connect with so many people with this painting like yes it's a viral internet thing but um a lot of people have an emotional reaction to it, and that's very cool. So, because well, because it's also got like really strange perspective. Yeah. Because like nothing's centered. Mm-hmm. It almost it almost looks like you're like somebody in a car driving by, and that's what you saw. Mm. Yeah, that's cool. Sorry, yeah. that's just what I see when I see this thing. There's another um, one you're of the forgiven. sequels. Oh. What'd you say? You're forgiven. You said I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Sorry. (laughs) There's a sequel to the painting where, you know how it kind of looks like they're standing on like a ledge? Yeah. So in one of the sequels, I would almost say like, imagine the camera goes down so you see below the ledge and it's like this, the girls, the legs of the girl, like the girl doll. So you see the hinged legs hanging over the edge Yeah. and like, it's like this deep, Kind of, I, I don't know how to describe it, but like this kind of like, almost like an evil like entrance is below them, oh. um, and that's the most recent one that he painted in 2021. Oh, so I don't know. I think he's. If you look at his other art, I would I would describe it as kind of like post-apocalyptic. It's like these weird, mangled, futuristic creatures, kind of rolling through the wasteland, and I'm just wondering if like, as he gets older, maybe that's his way of like just coming to terms with like you know, his own mortality, maybe just like getting older and like now he knows more of who he is and like what's next, you know? Is this a sequel? Yep. That's the sequel that Zach Baggins commissioned. Yep. Yeah. You can definitely tell like it's different. Yeah. The modern one is definitely like, 
The moon's like hanging from the tree mm-hmm. in the it's house. It's the same moon. It's the yeah. same moon. It's yeah. like the it's like an eclipsed moon. It's almost like the I've seen that symbol before. Yeah. Yeah, no that moon definitely means something to him. It's like an eclipse. Yeah. It's like the last last like fraction of an eclipse. Yeah, those hands, like some of them are knocking, some of them are just like hanging there. Yeah. Oof. Alright. Mm-hmm. Anybody? Nick? Yeah, I mean that's a really creepy painting. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. It doesn't evoke a lot of emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, like when you're originally, like near the beginning of it, when you're mm-hmm. talking about the eBay posting with mm-hmm. like the disclaimer and all of that, like yeah. it reads it reads like a like a creepy pasta, yes, almost or like exactly. <laughs> or like one of those. Or it it reminded me of that and like those things that you see people like copy paste on Facebook all the time. They're yes. like, I don't give permi- Facebook permission to do this. I revoke all of this. Da 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 da, and. But so it kind of had me write it off completely yes. at first. Yes. But then, as like you started talking about how you, with art, with the paint, you're mm. imbuing like your your emotion and what mm. you're feeling into it mm. as it goes. Kind of like what we talked about with the names a little bit with uh, mm. Robert the Doll. Like yeah. that's another big, huge thing with like magic is the intention behind everything everything has to have lots and lots of intention so i mean he could have created something whether he meant to or not yes yeah that kind of took on a life of its own and has evolved because of that yeah so it may not necessarily be like a spirit or something like that being haunted Mm -hmm. in that that sense but just that yeah yeah really cool it's definitely just like from an art perspective there's so much wrong with it, hmm. but there's so much like interesting, like because like, but that's I don't what know. makes it so right. Well, that is was so like there is this like I don't I don't remember what time this period is from, but like the the horror. I think it's like the seventies horror vacui. Have you ever heard of that? Yes. Mm-hmm. Where it's like that's what this is. Where you're like I to me that's what okay. I see because it's like a snapshot. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like there's like you look at this and there's like. You want to know, like, there's so much world behind this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you don't know what you're looking at, you yeah. know? It's timeless, but at the same time, it's kind of like, it's like old school. Yeah. At the same, I don't know. There's just so much, I don't know. I look at this painting, it's wigging me out. Everything's yeah. wrong with it, but at the same time, you like it at the same, I don't know. Was, <clears throat> to me, like, it, it seems like he's got, like, when you look at the, the kid, like, he it looks like he's got, like, for lack of a better way of saying it, it looks like he's got like power, mm-hmm. and it looks like he's like seen too much. Like, you ever like go to school with a kid who's like been they've seen too much, you know? And you're sure. like, oh, they they know way more about the world than I do, and probably way more than they should. Like, they've seen some terrible things, probably. Yeah, yeah. and like that's that that. But there's like almost a power that comes along with it because like, oh, you. You can harness things I can't harness, you know, because, like, I mean, the kids that bullied me in Chicago when I lived there, like, I found out later that, like, they had abusive dads and they had, like, older brothers that would beat them up. And it's like, but they had so much more power than I had. Mm. And, you know, I was, like, this little Christian kid who lived in a, like, went to church three times a week. And, you know, and these kids were, like, you know, like, they had, like, this worldliness world but almost like a dark power that they could pull from like yeah. because of their experiences and like when i look at this painting like that's 
that's kind of what I get from this. Like it seems like there's something there's something I don't know. There's something like dark or something like powerful mm. behind behind this, behind behind him, behind his eyes, behind him, behind him. In that darkness. Or through the glass. Yeah, in the Literally, darkness. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if this is a, an example of the horror vacui, but that's like, to me, where like, it, you know that like, this is not the whole piece. Mm. It like expands way more than this. Well, what know. do you think about my, like what I said, Margaret? Like, Oh, that, I agree with you 100%. I mean, he does, I mean, it is like a picture of him that he painted and I don't know what it's like to, in like, you know, that picture was taken in Chicago. Um, and, um, you know, he he was adopted. I don't know exactly everything he went through, but I think you're right about that. It's like a, you're, he does kind of look like a, I, would, I don't want to, like a war veteran in a way. Like, yeah. yeah, he's just, he's been around. He's seen I, some things. I think it's like, to me, like I, I, I couldn't, um, I can't draw a straight line, but, but like writing music mm. and like from a musical standpoint, like it, it like looks like lyrics to me, mm. you know, it looks like when you have, I don't know if any of you are guys, I know most of you guys, but like, I don't know if everyone's familiar with the band brand new, but like their al it looks like album art to me. It looks like, it it's, yeah, it looks like it's just, sure. it's, it's describing this bigger picture of a lot of words and a lot of emotion and, and a full story, um, all in one graphic. And, and that's what's so cool to me because it's like that's your goal as like a musician is to find album art that will describe everything you talked about right. in in one all-encompassing photo to describe everything and it feels like there aren't the words behind the photo but there are absolutely the words behind the photo yeah you know if it, that makes any sense it, like, it reminds yeah. me of the, the that's how U2 it feels album. to album hmm. war the U2 is that war is that the album that got put on my phone <laughs> no, no. That's something else. you know the kid you know like I'm the, just the yeah. YouTube album with that's that kid's face. You got like an army helmet on this looks like this gives me World War 2 vibes dude I totally see that it, I don't know I totally see that oh sorry this thing adequate looking at it. it's freaking me out <laughs> yeah. well yeah like that's the empty space like, like kids standing like a like just a hole in like a bombed out house or something right yeah like, I see what you're saying I don't know it gives yeah. you World War 2 vibes I don't know yeah Margaret it's, artist perspective no then Makes sense. I mean, like like I said, he was also, this is painting during the draft, and he was an eligible age to be drafted, so it's like... Vietnam. He, yes, yes. And so he's pulling in from all these, this tension, like the real life tension into this painting. So, yeah. That's interesting. That is interesting. Yeah. So, is it technically haunted? In a way, I would say yes. So. It's haunting. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> definitely holds Jinx. power. Yeah, Jinx. definitely holds power for sure. Yeah, that's wow. It's really interesting. I'm gonna stare at it all night. <laughs> all right, I like. I kind of like it though. I do. I do like too. It too. It's, kind of, it's cool. I think I need it. Yes. Yeah. Well, like, I'm sure it, you can get a print of it. He sells prints. I, I feel like I'm his like PR person right now, but <laughs> um, he does sell prints. He has a link on his website that links to a place where you can buy prints. So. Stonemstudios.com. Bam. We're getting it. Well, speaking of art. You are SBR. Do you want, um, and we're not done with the podcast, but 
Do you want people to check out your art? Is that something you would be interested in? Oh, sure. Yeah. She said no. I would never want that. I don't want to like put it out there like her her Instagram handle or whatever. If she's like, oh, like I don't want that to be associated with this podcast. But um, she tags us in everything. I do. <laughs> so it's just yeah. at Marg the Artist, right? Yes. M A R G the we'll Artist. Throw it at the end. Yep. Anybody else? The Those painting. Are my thoughts on it. The painting. I can't stop looking at. All right, Nick. The Devil's Rocking Chair. The Devil's Rocking Chair. All right, so this is more of a traditional haunted object, right. but Zach Baggins is also involved oh, at great. some point. <laughs> don't, don't you worry. Um, but and you may uh, the story may sound familiar because it was the basis for the newest Conjuring movie. So if you have seen that, some details may seem familiar. Um, and there are a couple of really good documentaries out there about it too. Like the devil made me do it. It's like a really good one. Um, so it starts out. This is um, over Fourth of July weekend in 1980. Um, it's a nice family. Um, an 11 year old boy, David, gets all just normal 11 year old boy likes playing with his sister or his sister's fiance. Like he's always bugging them, hanging out, just doing normal kid stuff all the time. Um, doesn't not by all accounts not one to make up a bunch of stories or have like this crazy wild imagination more so than any other kid um but all of a sudden they um start moving into this new house and that kind of changes so um he by all accounts is a normal like 11 year old boy but they move into this house and he starts kind of seeing things and hearing things and there's a weird feeling um that the family gets and different people experience it just like that feeling of something just being off you know um so one night david wakes up just screaming and then talking about how he had been visited by um quote man with big black eyes thin face with animal features jagged teeth pointed ears horns and hooves so i mean coming from a kid that by all accounts doesn't like scary movies doesn't really make crazy things up all the time that's odd like for sure um and he was really shaken by it and just not really the same so and you could tell it really affected him because he became very withdrawn very quiet um, and so his older sister asked her fiance, like, Hey, can you come stay with David for a little bit? Like just until he's feeling better. Like he's acting like real depressed and he's clearly scared by whatever he saw. Um, so Arnie agreed to do that. Um, and David kept getting more and more nightmares about this crazy looking man who was starting to promise like he was going to take his soul and saying, like, he was more powerful than Jesus and, like, to beware and everything. Um, and started having, like, scratches and bruises appear all over his body. Like, a lot of stuff that you hear in lots, like, lots of different exorcism stories. Um, there were sounds coming from the attic that they couldn't explain. Um, and then David started seeing the beast, is what they called it. Um, started seeing the beast while he was awake. So like during the so it wasn't just a night like when he in his dreams or anything like he would see it his house 
And specifically, he would see it in this rocking chair that was in the room. It was just a normal rocking chair until all this started, but you'd see it just start rocking by itself, and David would say that the beast was there. Um, and so the family clearly freaking out, like they had a, like there's a doctor brought in, they were all, um, the doctor was like, yeah, the boy's in perfect health. Like he's not actually like hurt. He doesn't see him off for anything. Um, and so they brought in a priest to bless the house. They were pretty religious. They're like, eh, we might as well give it a try, see what happens. And, um, it just made things worse. Really, like it made it more um, aggressive. Like the noises that they were hearing around the house got louder. Um, David started seeing him more. He began to speak with multiple voices, quote books that he never, like, oh. probably wouldn't have ever read. Um, like Paradise Lost was one. Um, That's not good. And so <laughs> someone had to stay up and watch watch him because every, like, he started having seizures, like, every half hour. How old like, was the guy? 11. So he's an 11-year-old boy. Um, and so they obviously get pretty desperate for help at this point. And so they call in the Warrens, like Ed and Lorraine Warren. They're, of course. Anybody knows anything about demonology or haunted houses or anything, Ed and Lorraine Warren, the Amityville Horror people, like, yeah. they're huge. Um, and so they started coming to the house regularly and, like, investigating it. And Lorraine claimed that she saw the same beast that David saw like in the rocking chair as well like she physically saw it herself um, and she was a medium who said she could like speak to the dead a lot and speak with all the spirits and everything um, so this chair started um, there were exorcisms that took place on David while he was sitting in this chair and the chair would start levitating and moving around um, and Multiple people saw this, like including the Warrens, different family members, um, different priests that they had come over. Um, and eventually, the demon left David. But he just went from David into the sister's fiance. Arnie, like Arnie let him in to get him out of David. And so everything seemed fine for a while. Like, totally fine. And then all of a sudden, later on, um, the police found Arnie, the, the fiancé, walking down the road, covered in blood, and he had just snapped and murdered the people's landlord. So is this from that the latest Conjuring movie? Yeah, this is what the, the, the devil movie was based on. Okay. Yeah. So I was like, this uh, sounds familiar. Yeah, so it was actually the first time that the Arnie Roberts case was the first time that anybody had ever like legitimately tried to use demonic possession as a defense in court. What year was this? Uh, Arnie was 1980, okay. 1981, early 80s. Um, so, I mean, it didn't work. Like They, they weren't like, yeah. They, <laughs> he was eventually convicted of murder and everything. And, I mean, someday we could probably do a deep dive into this because it's a real cool, crazy story. Yeah. Um, but, so... For a real long time, it the rocking chair was in storage. Um, whenever the family moved, it went with them. And whoever sat in that chair years and years down the road after all this happened developed really, really bad back problems, like some of them requiring surgery, just seemingly out of nowhere. Poorly built chair. 
<laughs> Poorly built chair. So that happens when you have demons in your chairs. Oh, yeah, yeah, every yeah. time. Yeah. Not like every Cracker time. Barrel chairs. No, not like, not like the chairs. Cracker Barrel no. chairs. Those are, <laughs> those are great. No. Those are nice. It's got um, some nice cushions. <laughs> so, uh, so um, eventually, Zach Baggins ended up buying the chair. He's paid like $67,000 for it. Naturally. And put it in his museum. Um, <clears throat> and there's like stains on it from holy water and oils that were part of the exorcism used and everything. Wow. And um, soon after it was put on display, it started causing problems in the building, supposedly. Like doors started shutting themselves with locking, light switches physically being turned off, um, lots of tension between staff members in the area where the chair was stored. Um, the guy that brought the chair to the museum said he was like plagued by all these nightmares and everything after coming in contact with it. Um, and so, and it, it eventually, like, he actually ended up closing the exhibit because, like, six months after he brought the chair into the museum, because there was, um, as Baggins said, said that six people all shared the same disturbing, uncontrollable crying during the short time I opened the exhibit. And one of them being a guest who has also collapsed directly above the devil's rocking chair on the stairs. Um, so that like the chair sat like under these stairs in this like open like display area, and uh, somebody was walking on the stairs above it, and then it and, like collapsed. Um, so he ended up like he ended up taking it down and just hiding it. He's just not sure if he's going to put it on display again or anything because it's <clears throat> still affecting people at the museum itself when was this the the whole museum thing like two years ago oh so really recent okay yeah Yeah. within the last couple years wow yeah man was it so was it actually like up for display or was it just hidden no it was up for display like like he put it in like this big like plexi behind plexiglass oh okay you couldn't get near it it was just underneath like yeah so like oh okay he wasn't storing it Right, he wasn't so like he. There was, if you can picture it, there was like, there's a staircase that had just like an opening underneath it. Right, right. So you could like walk by the opening. Sure. And there's plexiglass in front of it with a chair and everything. Okay. And then so people that a bunch of people like that came around it had all of these like, basically giant panic attacks mm. and collapsing. And they had to call the they had to call like nine one one and have like ambulances come for people and stuff. So. Yeah. All right. Margaret, look at you said. Well, so now it's like in storage. It's like not on display anywhere. Right. He took it off display okay. completely. It's not, you can't like go see it anymore. Okay. So he's brave enough to put it away, but Robert's still out there. <laughs> no, it, it's actually, well, it's, it's stored right next to Robert. Yeah. <laughs> really? yeah. Is it really? On display. Is no. it really? No. <laughs> Robert's in Florida. Yeah, Robert's yeah. in Florida. I'm sure Zach Baggins would like, love to have Robert at his museum. Yes. Yeah. He's got a whole crazy room full of haunted dolls hmm. okay. so okay. I want to go there so bad I have so many I have a few questions who built this rocking chair do we know did you say that no it was just a normal old rocking chair until it all started chair. yeah there was nothing like it was just a piece of furniture at the house hmm. and the devil took a liking to it interesting that was a really interesting choice of words you just said I, <laughs> I like it seems to be what took happens a to it. <laughs> took a liking to it what do you think caused that like what infused that particular chair? I think it was the, like, it just happened to be there, and the the demon or whatever is using it to like scare the family and scare the kid. Because you can move it. Because you can move it easily, and then when the 
kid became David became drawn to the chair and he started sitting it like not leaving it and they did exorcisms in it and everything that just gave it even more power than it but before that he was had. seeing the images like he was seeing the vision of this beast sitting in the chair like rocking prior then, to him taking a liking to it like prior to him prior to all the exorcisms and everything yeah, that was why yeah. one of the first so he, so he would see it he would see the beast and then like later on ended up like that's what he wanted to sit in yeah, like he ended, like he ended up sitting in it a lot, and then so the chair they be- started doing exorcisms. So it like it. drew him in. Yeah. So the chair almost became like like a sigil, sort of. Yeah. Do they have any idea where the beast came from? Like why he was a- attracted to that house or anything like that? There was a. There, I mean, there are people. There are like theories that there is like some like like witches doing magic or like specific like totems and that kind of thing that had it like had the beast to the house is it followed but then it followed them from one house to another apartment that they moved into hmm. so i mean there's like there are a whole lot of crazy details to the story that we just don't really have time to go into like all of them he's those, still alive the highlights david i'm not sure i can probably find out real quick what i know I mean, so and this all happened in what year again uh 1980 so, I mean, if the Warrens get called in, it's never, like, like a normal thing. <laughs> it's, like, usually... No, it's serious. something super intense. Yeah. yeah. Man. Did they ever get any answers? No. Like, he's, David was, by all accounts, fine. Like, after the, the demon left him and went into the sister's fiancé, Arnie. And then David was fine, and Arnie stabbed his landlord a whole bunch of times ended up going to jail for a real long time Arnie I wonder if that left him at some point mm-hmm. yeah who knows That's probably crazy. probably I mean it did what it was supposed to do and then it kind of like took off so here's my question like the like with uh, Robert the doll and like the devil's rocking chair like Specifically, like, are haunted objects haunted objects just haunted forever, or like, is there a point where they're like, yeah, it was haunted, now it's fine? I mean, I think it depends. I think the ones like we talked about, like, so far have retained the haunting or retained the possession, but I assume like anything else, it could be cleansed somehow, right? Eventually, but. What kind of risk are people willing to take to do that? Right. Or, yeah. Thanks. How powerful? How powerful? How powerful? Or how strong is the attachment to that object? Like, why would you even care to like put yourself at risk for an object? If it was somebody, then you might like you know want to like you know like in The Exorcist or whatever exorcism. Yeah, I mean, unless you're unless you're concerned about it affecting other people, like you want to put a stop to it type thing. But so like I mean as far as I was ever like informed like younger kids were not able to be possessed but it seems like in certain cases that like 10 11 12 age seems to be the thing well I think kids just in general are way more open minded sure no, no they're totally open but they're supposed they're to be like, protected as, well, as far as I was understood oh uh, yeah I don't know anything about that 
That's just that's just kind of like the idea. I mean, it seems like it seems like kids. I know where you're going with this. Like it seems like, like, like almost like a protection from God, right? You know, because like it seems like kids like almost have like nine lives. You know, like this like as a kid, I feel like I should have died like a billion times to somehow I got out of stuff. You sure. know. Yeah. No, no. Totally. Like I had a friend who was trapped at the top of a tree, like a like a. 40, 50 foot tree, and he's like swaying back and forth, and somehow he just got down. Right. You know? Well, like, I mean, it's just in- interesting that, like, these, like, a lot of these, like, kids seem to have, like, a, uh, I don't know, like well, a twilight, uh, you know what I mean? Like a twilight yeah. between, like, here and, like, the other side, and, like, they see things, they understand things, but, like, I never thought, that, I always thought that, like, their innocence was protected. Well, and one thing, too, I mean, it could go along with that in a way I mean to look at from more like more of a skeptical viewpoint on the sure. haunted objects and where bring the skepticism yeah. but this relates to what you're saying yeah. too like where like how much of these haunted objects is really like it being haunted or is it a, a kid with not necessarily just like a super wild imagination but like trying to cope with something or projecting sure. something onto this object and then whether it be through, like, extreme religious beliefs of the people involved, like, the family or anything, like, it gets just amped up more and more and more and more and more. And sure. then it just kind of takes on a life of its own. And people start thinking that they're experiencing these things around these objects because of how much belief there is in into it. It kind of goes into the intention and everything. No, that, but that's, but, you're right with the intention. Yeah. and 100%. That, and kids, I mean, a lot of, like mental illness that goes along with a lot of the possession claims and stuff later on that all happens with adults right i mean that tends that kind of stuff tend from my understanding it tends to pop up later in life like you're not you're not having 10 11 year old kids with schizophrenia or that kind of bipolar yeah so you don't necessarily see the possession cases in younger children a lot because a lot of the possession cases that do get attributed to different types of mental illness right yeah. or wrong that's sure. what happens yeah because almost like mental development yeah you know like you go through different stages of brain development and you know it seems like a lot of mental illness at least in guys starts around like that final brain development phase like 18 19 yeah. 20 21 like that seems where a lot of guys develop mental illnesses and it could be spiritual it could be there could be some spiritual aspect to that um but I think it's a vulnerable time. You know, it seems like it. Because, I, I mean, I remember being that age and just being really... That's about the age you think you're on top of the world and you think you're yeah. invincible. And then life slaps you in the face and you well, realize you're not. Right. Like, I'm pretty, <laughs> I'm pretty like, familiar with, like, like, bipolar and stuff like that. Yeah. And it hits between the ages of 15 and 30. Yeah. So it's, like, a pretty wide range. Yes. Mm-hmm. But there seems to be, like, a cutoff. You know what I mean? Like, like early yeah. on, like, kids have experiences but like it's interesting that like especially with your your story with the chair that like it couldn't quite possess that kid so it jumped to somebody it could yeah well i think i my take on it too is like with with like kids and and children i think that like i was talking about with robert the doll too like kids find a very intense interest in one thing you know, they, they find that, that toy that they love and they latch to it and they talk about it all the time. That It's always with them. They always want to play with it wherever you go. It's going with them. 
Um, and I feel like a childlike faith can also bring on a childlike fear. Yeah. And and I, I feel like it's able to really develop in their minds a lot easier. Like, they're able to make it up a lot easier to where it's something really big. Like, I mean, talk about like, the hat man. And, and like, people... Oh, people adults man. Adults talk about the hat man, too. But, like... Mostly, it's kids. Like they saw the Hatman when they were a child. Like mostly, and it's like, it's like you're able to like really let that loose. You're able to really. You don't have a lot of knowledge at that point. You know, you're really able to let your mind go. We don't have the category for it. Yeah, exactly. And you're able to really pull that in and be like, and make it a big thing. And it probably was what they saw, or maybe it was a bit of imagination as well. But like, sure. But they're able, like, as an adult, you're able to, like, really categorize and, and put things in this place because you have marks on what you talk about and wh- what you think about and, and where you go emotionally and, and mentally. And, you know, it's like it, there's so many things. The things that we do as adults are so more planned out and sure. how we, like, instantly, like, categorize something and push yeah. it this way or that way. Or yeah, whatever. You can, put it, you can push it to the shelf. You're able to or, negate it. Yeah. yeah, you can push it away. Like, whereas kids, that's gonna sit there and and it's gonna it's gonna simmer, it's gonna stir. And we also loan a lot more as a kid, right? I mean, right. depending on like your situation, so it's a lot easier to get a lot more scared. Yeah, and and let it kind of stew. And people aren't gonna listen to you, right? And a lot of these like dark and evil. And then you think about because what you just said, you're able to think about that a lot more, and like because you're you're more alone and people don't really listen to you. Yeah. Yeah, they're vulnerable. You're not valid. Vulnerable. And, and like, it seems like, I don't know, man, we've we've gone over so many different, like, e- evil topics and dark topics and blah, blah, and one common thread or theme is that um, they feast on fear, you know, and kids yeah. are so easy to scare, you know, they're so, I have two kids. Well, and they have, so, and they have so much less experience with the world and so much less understanding that they don't necessarily like they won't know how they won't be able to explain something away Hmm. so they like they can twist it into something it's not or they can just explode like it can blow up into something way bigger than it was or is too yeah because they don't know how to be like oh well you know it was probably just this it could have been it was the wind. Was, it was the was, house creaking. Yeah, like I was like half asleep, and like I didn't really see that. It was weird, just a weird shadow. Like, but if you're like that, doesn't happen. If you're yeah, if you're strategic as like like the hat man is like like he's almost like a genius in how strategic he is. He's like, if I want to have a lasting mark on this kid, I'm gonna sh- or this person, I'm gonna show up when they're a kid, create this deep fear, and I'll show up later on too to let them know I'm still around. Like that's it's really messed up. We should. We haven't had a full Hatman episode yet. We had Mike's episode with his experience about the Hatman, but I would love to do a full Hatman, full on Hatman, mm. Fat Man, Fat Man. That's a different episode. That's a whole thing. Margaret, PH. Oh, I was just. I mean, sorry, I didn't call you. Like, no, no, no. Like, I you just looked like you had a thought. No, I think it was really good that we had this conversation about like. It's maybe not necessarily like spiritual. There's like all this like childhood stuff enveloped into it. Like I think that's really cool. But I was also just thinking, like, why, like why an object? I just imagine it takes so much energy for these beings to like be here. So it must just be like 
easier, I guess, to take on like an object because an object can't really resist. But at the same time, I kind of feel like you can't, it can't just possess a chair. It can't just possess a doll. Like you have to, there's other things that have to take place. Like, I don't know if it's like ceremonies or like, again, like some kind of intent to bring it there. So I don't know if like anyone has any thoughts on that, but I'm just thinking about just how much energy it must take have, to be here. Yeah, no, yeah. and yeah, I, I agree with that. I mm. think, you know, it's, think so think back to this with me, like go mm. back to when you were six years old mm. and go back to your grandma's house or go back to um, even just your house with your parents mm. or, or whoever. And where did, where did your mom sit every day on mm. the couch? Where did, where did your grandma sit when you were over there when she's babysitting you? Mm. And then what did you do when your cousins came over and you sat in that chair and you, you and I pretended I was grandpa mm. because grandpa sits in this chair. So I'm associating so hard that this is grandpa's chair and I get this feeling when I sit in that chair yeah. that I'm him. Like I want to be him yeah. sitting in this chair. You know, and I feel like it kind of takes, especially as a kid, it takes those moments mm. where you're like, you have this deep association with what the, who this who this belongs to or this this emotion that you have with this that's attached to it, and I feel like that plays a, a big role into that. Yeah, I, I really do, and yeah. I, I I don't know, like, because I remember doing that as a kid with my cousins being like, be like, we're in Grandpa's chair, and like, and we would, like we would pretend to like snore in his chair, and <laughs> and like this is how Grandpa falls asleep in his chair every day at two thirty p.m. when he's watching soap operas with my grandma that are making him bored, so he's falling asleep. Yeah. So he doesn't have to watch them. You know, I don't I don't know. But it's like it, there's so much it's so much more than just a chair. It's yeah. so much more than just a spot on the couch. Right. Yeah. There's so much there's so much emotion and that that goes into that and I feel like it's it can yeah, it's weird if you think about it. I never thought about that until right now to be honest. No, that that's makes wild. Sense. Yeah, because you attribute or you put emotions onto an object and then it through strange happenings, it gets intensely focused yeah. on that object for whatever reason because it's familiar mm-hmm. or because you already have emotions tied to it and it helps imbue that yeah. object. Yeah. The quote-unquote possession. Sure. Mm-hmm. Right. Huh, that's yeah. interesting. Also, like I, I've noticed with some objects, like you could argue the devil's rocking chair if there was like witchcraft that like happened around it. Um like the Dybbuk box, we're going to talk about next week, right? Yeah. The Dybbuk box um, is another haunted object, and it was created because these two women were having a seance, and and the spirit they had like a a makeshift Ouija board. This is in uh, Spain, I think, in the World early, War Two. World War Two. Yeah, they they this one woman had had escaped from a concentration camp, and they moved to Spain. And then apparently, like seances were all the rage, and so like they made this like makeshift Ouija board on like a <clears throat> like a blanket, mm-hmm. and like it was just like up on a blanket, and they had like this like dangling thing that would, and they said it never really worked, but like one time, like it was it was like very prominently going to different letters, mm-hmm. and it would spell out "release me," mm-hmm. "release me." And and they told it like we'll release you, but we're gonna we can only 
re- we'll release you only into this box. So they were afraid, like, it, if they didn't release it, then it would, like, somehow attach to them. Mm-hmm. So, like, we'll release you, but into this box. That's way more foresight than I feel like most summoning accidents. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll been like, oh, okay, we're going to do this, but. Something that's been yeah. rolling around in my mind. I don't I'm even... excited to hear more about that. Yes. The Divic box? Yes. Oh, my gosh. That's a whole thing. Mm-hmm. It's a whole I'm glad thing. you guys are saying for next week because it yeah. seemed like it was a whole thing. Oh, it's it's a whole thing that's still going on to this day. Yeah. But anyway, um, to me, all these objects that we talked about, they're all organic objects, and I feel like you don't you don't hear about like some like stupid plastic thing or like something like like something that's like not natural holding these kind of like. Um, like PlayStation powers. controller, like a PlayStation controller. Yeah, exactly. Like my PS Five is possessed, hmm. but like, um, there's like an element. Like there's like like wood, mm. you know, like fabric. There's like cloth. There's like things that are like of the earth. Of the earth, mm. and I feel like those things can have more attachments. I mean, like I, you know, what I mean, you don't hear about like yeah, a, like a like that a makes sense. like a possessed hard drive. We did. Huh? This show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we have a possessed dongle. On this show. We have a possessed no. dongle. No. A story. Yeah. We had that on your show. What? I'm so confused right now. On one of your episodes, there was a possessed hard drive. Well, there was creepy stuff on a hard drive. I don't know if the hard drive was possessed. Anyway. I'm like, you're ruining my point. <laughs> my point is that these things have. <laughs> don't show me that right now. No, the point is that I feel like only certain things can hold power. Mm-hmm. You know, houses are made out of wood, you know, chairs, dolls are made out of fabric, cloth, things like you said, from the earth that have to, they, they have like, they had a life at one point. You know what I mean? There's an essence to it at one point. Sorry, I'm sounding really woo-woo here, but like, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like that, you know, like you hear, you know, like, like, like a lock of hair in like a wooden cabinet or like some, something weird that's like. These things are, there's a life to them at one point. You know, they were a tree at one point. They were a plant at one point. They had a life at one point. So there must be, like, some sort of, like, spiritual loophole. To well, with the, di- with the Dybbuk box, to uh, to tease it a little bit more for next week. Tease it. The, um, like, <laughs> the things, the things that were, the objects that were put in it, I'm guessing. I don't, I don't know how they, it was a seance. It was a seance, so they knew what elements they had to put in it. But there was two locks of hair, a, a lock of blonde hair bound, a lock of dark hair bound, two pennies, copper pennies, uh, from 1920. Um, a, a a candlestick with um, octopus tentacles coming out of it. Um, a shalom. Uh, it was a uh, like a little gravestone that had like the shalom um, Hebrew word engraved on it. Anything else? It had um, the Shema prayer engraved in the back of it. Yeah, so I mean, there's a lot of, like, those elements are kind of, it seems significant. They're all, like, things from the earth. You know, like I said, you don't hear about, like, a possessed, you know, bouncy ball. It's made Mm -hmm. out of, like, you know what I mean? Like, there's just, I don't know. There seems to be some sort of, like, anything that had a life at one point seems to be, like, a loophole Hmm. to me. They're, like, living things. Yeah, living things. Things that were living at one point, so... I don't know. Stay tuned for the Dybbuk box coming next week. Mm. Yeah, that'll any, be fun. Any final thoughts? 
Margaret, I know you have a final thought. I can see it. I can see your final thought. Still cooking a little bit. But um, it just, I don't know. It seems a lot of this stuff just comes from people not being careful or doing things they don't fully understand. Um, I mean, I guess I can't speak to, you know, the people performing their witchcraft or anything like that. But um, you truly don't really know exactly who you're talking to, at least in my opinion. Um, When you keep, I mean, you don't know what their intentions are. You don't know what they truly want from you because, I mean, nothing's free. Um, So they may be giving you something, but you don't know what you're giving up in return um i guess i don't know i would just say be careful with what you're manifesting be careful with who you're talking to like not like the person in front of you but like spiritually i guess like who you're communicating with like even with this this bill stoneham guy he was getting into all of these like this like ancient knowledge this ancient wisdom that to this day i don't think we we're not responsible with it and we don't fully understand it and um that's just my opinion maybe that's maybe someone would disagree with me i would just say i think it's a good point discernment man like be careful you don't know what you're bringing in because it seems like it's very difficult to get these things out yeah i think you're dead on i mean that's why like that's why all that is like esoteric like it Mm -hmm. takes there's not many people that get to a point where they do truly understand it if anybody Mm -hmm. ever actually does like it's so much like a hidden knowledge that takes many 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 years and people to and the cost even is begin so to great. understand yeah yeah i think a lot of it's traumatic mm. mm-hmm. i think i think most most uh murder documentaries most um otherworldly kind of things come from uh, being traumatized at a young age in some fashion. Maybe not maybe not anything like insane, but maybe your parents were workaholics. Maybe you had a lot of time to think. Mm-hmm. A lot of time to, to just let things be and do its thing and, and kind of manifest in your own life and too much time to think. And, um, and then I think other people, like with the painting, I feel like it's... It's a lot of absence at a young age and a lot of wandering to figure out um, what life could have been. You know, it's, it's, I feel like a lot of these things have a lot of signs pointing toward a lot, a lot of trauma like at a, at a young age. Yeah. And um, I mean, like Robert the Doll, his parents were slave owners and his mother was an extremely abusive slave owner. And he had to watch that, you know. Um, and... I, I don't know. I think I think there's a lot of loneliness involved in it and a lot of these things in general. And I think that is the brain and the mind goes and gets in a really weird place. Yeah. When when that those things are happening in your life at a young age. Yeah, you're tapping into something that yeah. you should be tapping into. Yeah, well emotion is powerful. Yeah. And I mean the the especially when there's something like traumatic, like that's a huge just by definition, I mean, it makes a huge impact on you as a person or right. in your life. Forever. Yeah, so you know? that, I mean, and that energy that gets generated by that event and the impact it has on you can, I mean... It can do a number of things, you know? Yeah, it certainly can um, 
like multiply yeah things that were already there or yeah you can blow it up a little bit and that's 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 like where i land on all this stuff that's my final thought on on this until next week but Mm. um thus far you know it seems not very final yeah (laughs) so yeah not it's like medium final yeah you know it's like partially final sort of final yeah yeah it's not final final. it's intermission intermission for this episode until next week yeah i don't know there's a lot of there's a lot of common threads in all the things we talked about today. Kids, emotions, reminds me of the remnant energy, things mm-hmm. left over from a time that kind of attached itself to. It needs it needs like like an antenna, you know, like a kid who's going to pay attention to it, and then it focuses on an object. You know, mm-hmm. seems like it needs something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Can't fully possess. Needs it. a receptor. It needs a receptor. Yeah. A place to like burrow itself. Yeah, like I said, it looks for something to like latch itself onto that gives itself, you know, like fear. Because I mean, like fear is like mostly made up. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. danger is in front of you. Fear is like could be anything. Fear just kind of fuels things and keeps things going and. Some is rational, some is irrational. That's yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. one of the it's one of the strongest emotions that drives you to do things that you wouldn't normally do. And it could be anything. It could yeah. be, it's, it's formless. You yeah. know, you form it into a you know mm-hmm. a doll, a chair, a painting. You know, a box. Well, whatever it is, the Didic box is gonna is gonna kick it up a bunch <laughs> of notches. The Didic yeah, box. I'm so man, I'm excited for that. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, I can't wait to talk about the Didic box because I do want to say really quick again. So like. Or not again, but to add on right now, um, it's funny they're talking about what you're saying, Raph, everything you're talking about right now, and, and how like creepy these topics can be, just being candid and talking about them in general. But then, like, I man, I remember like when it comes to like what Nick was saying with like, and Matt and and Raph were all saying like a lot of fears just create it, like you create it for yourself, and a lot of it's not even it shouldn't even be fear if you didn't make it fear. If you weren't fearful, you didn't have to be fearful, but man, the dang soundtracks in these films we watch and these documentaries, <laughs> these YouTube videos, like if you, I remember my mom they tell saying, you what to feel when yeah, you feel it. Exactly. Cause yeah, music absolutely. gives you such a feeling. I remember my mom saying when I was younger, we were watching kind of a scary movie and she was like, she's like, watch it without listening to the music in your mind. And I was absolutely not scared of one thing in that movie at that point. And it was the weirdest thing ever. It like changed everything for me. I was like, whoa. But there's just so much, there's so many emotions that can go into fear and drive fear, you know? Yeah. It's wild. That's just a really random thing, but that was important for my childhood. <laughs> I enjoyed this one. I did too. Yeah. It, was it was fun. fun. This is really fun. Yeah. Be careful where you put your energy. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Thank All you right. so much. This is it. Heck yeah. This is fun. Yeah. It's been a minute. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to Maybe It's Spiritual, and um, thank you so much to the crew and Margaret. Um, if you guys are interested in some really cool art, Margaret has um, an Instagram that's called uh, Marg the Artist, and that's on Instagram. Um, also, if you guys are looking to do some commission pieces, um, she's got a link in her bio that will take you to a page that will get you hooked up with that. Um, so any exciting news, any of you guys who are Spotify listeners, uh, there's a rating thing on there now, so go ahead and rate us well, um, as well as Apple podcasters, uh, five star reviews, leave us some comments, let us know how we're doing. Uh, we have an Instagram, maybe it's spiritual. We have a 
TikTok, maybe it's spiritual. Uh, we have a Gmail. If you guys have a story or something you want to share, um, maybe it's spiritual at gmail.com. Um, or any of those other social media platforms, you can go ahead and DM us. Um, Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time.